this going. You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz we live. We live. Welcome to the Lockdown Hornets podcast. I'm Walker Mail alongside Nada Edwards. And how much fun was that game last night? It, it, we talking about first quarter, first half of that game, or like the entire game? Well, I was thinking more of the second half, and maybe yeah. you can go with the last three quarters. And it was a loss, so we do have to keep that in perspective. One thirteen to one twelve, but I did feel comfortable leaving that game with a sense that the Charlotte Hornets are fun, that you do have some confidence in them going forward. Overall, I think you liked what you saw from the Charlotte Hornets last night going up against a good Bucks team that gave it to them in the first quarter. That first quarter was basically everything that we were talking about for basically the entire summer and most of the preseason if you caught up with us because the three-point defense was horrible. There were wide open jump shots after jump shots. It was like watching Papa shot go go down and how that happened. And then they turned it around, which was the crazier thing. But that first quarter wasn't good at all. They let Giannis get into the paint whenever he wanted. And he racked up a quick seven assists in this game where he was able to dish it to all the shooters beyond the arc. And just like we talked about in the episode yesterday, Milwaukee has the personnel to shoot and surround Giannis. That's exactly what the Miami Heat and the Cleveland Cavaliers did with LeBron. You can take that exact blueprint and do it with Giannis in a lot of different areas. Giannis can be your playmaker. Giannis can't shoot. He missed a couple of three-pointers last night. They're starting to implement That was the only thing he wasn't good at Right. That was a little bit of, they're starting to implement that more. But Giannis was getting into the paint, and he was finding the open men. And he was also kind of a beast last night. He got a couple of dunks that were pretty nasty. He's so good. There's no doubt that he's a superstar in this league. But you saw Malcolm Brogdon get involved. How about Dante DiVincenzo, the rookie from Milwaukee? How's his ankle to doing? Yeah, doing he's today? doing fine. I don't know. <laughs> he's doing fine heading into that game, but Kimba Walker rooked the hell out of him. So yes. that was fun as hell. But you got to see Dante hit a couple of threes in the first half. Malcolm Brogdon got a three in the first half. Chris Middleton showed you his spot-up ability. And Milwaukee was taking it to the Hornets on the perimeter, and they had no answer defending the three. This is a huge problem we've seen from them before they dug themselves in a huge hole but in the second half they were able to come back and it was very impressive because normally this game is a 20 point blowout the other way and people are leaving in droves the fact that they came back the fact that they hustled the fact that the itty bitty bug lineup came Mm -hmm. back walker and in force and in a way we didn't even see it coming mkg as the center How crazy was that last night? We're going to get to it all. We'll get to that. We'll get to all of the players that logged minutes. Just how many minutes did they log? We'll also go around the NBA in the third segment. But let's dive a little bit more into this Milwaukee Bucks and Charlotte Hornets matchup. Again, last night that saw the Hornets lose a really tough one, 113 to 112. First off, let's start with the head of the snake, as Kevin Durant calls him, Mr. Kimba Walker. He goes for 41 points last night. Not a, it seemed to me, Watching Kimba Walker, one, you can go to a lot of these different years in the Charlotte Hornets' recent history and say Kimba carries this team, and the only reason they're in any game is because he is their sole offense. He's the only guy that can create, and everything runs through Kimba. And that certainly reminded everybody, that certainly reared its head last night. But you did have Malik Monk contribute in this game. But Kimba going for 41, I think we've had this discussion of 
that's kind of involved under the umbrella of whether Kimba Walker is going to get traded or whether you resign him or not. We've had the discussion, is there another level to Kimba Walker's play? And I think there is. And I think you saw a little bit of that last night. And we can overreact to the preseason. We can overreact in just one game. I get all of that. But you have an offense instituted by James Borrego that's going to get this offense more possessions. Yes. That's going to lead to more Kimball Walker opportunities. That's going to lead to what I think is going to be the highest scoring average of Kimball Walker's career. And I think there is another level with the intelligence of Tony Parker playing alongside him, which mm-hmm. they obviously showed they were comfortable playing both of those guys down the stretch. And it was so effective. You're going to have Malik Monk take some attention away from him. You do have a bright mind offensively, I would say, with Greg Popovich's background as a head coach in James Borrego. I think you see another level of Kimball Walker that we have not seen before. And a lot of people did not know if there was a an extra level an extra step up that Kimball Walker could take with it being a free agency year and on top of everything. Oh, and the fact he can make more money. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) On top of that, that. there's, there's, I don't want to say, I don't want to go crazy with this. I really don't. Oh God. One game. Do we need to get the hot take machine ready? Or are you going to stay away from it? I think there's an all NBA possibility with Kimball Walker this year at the point guard spot. I want, I really feel comfortable in saying that. Like, there's a possibility he'll be our first all NBA member since um, Al, Al Jefferson. Jefferson. Yeah. Al Jefferson, the only Bobcat to ever make an all NBA team. Like, he stays healthy. He stays on this team. This team competes well. Why isn't he the all NBA guy? Well, you, as a point guard, Kimba's just not going to make it. And it's just too deep, not a. Well, like well, I, I love me some Kimba Walker, but you know Steph is a lock ahead of him. Steph is a lock. You know, yes. Even, even with- Kyrie is a lock, but that third one. That third one. Well, you have. I mean, Russell Westbrook. Hey, he he's gonna have. He's that gonna miss six weeks, but but he's gonna have that opportunity to take an All NBA selection away from Kemba Walker. I I just I think the point guard position is just too deep in the NBA to think All NBA selection. But anything is possible in the words of Kevin Garnett <laughs> Walker. But I am excited about Kemba Walker's season this year. I think he's gonna have a phenomenal one, and we can agree on an all-star selection for the third time in a yeah. row, especially being in the Eastern Conference. He was the leader of this crazy small lineup that we saw Nada that included himself, Malik Monk, Tony Parker, MKG and Nick Batum down the stretch. We saw variations of small ball lineups where we saw MKG at the five. Yes. We saw Marvin Williams come in down the stretch at the five with him being the tallest player on the court. Same with Nick Batum. Tony Parker said he's never seen anything like it. Kimba said he's never played with a lineup that small before. James Borrego saying after the game, he has no hesitations to go with any lineup possibility. Here's Borrego now on the small ball lineups. I'm open to all lineups. If I find a group that's competitive, urgent, aggressive, we'll play it. Sometimes that's going to be big. Sometimes that's small. Uh, Tonight it was the small group. They got us back into the game, and uh, we'll keep looking at that lineup. If it's a big lineup on Friday night, we'll go big. I thought not. I thought he was going to go to the Hornets legends that were there and maybe put Muggsy Bogues at Dam Center. I mean, that that lineup was crazy small. Tony Parker said he's never seen anything like it. Like you have six eight six seven guys being the center on this team, where you do have available options like a Cody Zeller, like a Billy Hernan Gomez. If you wanted to try to keep shooting on the floor, maybe you could have gone to Frank, but we obviously have seen him fall out of the rotation. I just it's it was crazy small. We had the problems defensively with it early on in this game and in the preseason. 
but it worked. Nada. It worked. This lineup brought them back, and offensively, they were fantastic. They were shooting from beyond the arc, and Borrego also mentioned how it helped their defense, that they were allowed, since the ball would go out of bounds, obviously, and they'd have to pass it in bounds after a made basket, their defense could get set up, and their defense was helped a lot by their offense and the way that they scored. James Borrego did bring this up a lot last night about how the defense sets up the offense. And he was looking for guys that wanted to compete. He was looking for guys that are willing to get down there and get gritty. It just happened that four of the five of them happened to be under 6'4". Like, that was the crazy part to all of this. The defense improved. They were ready. They came out ready to scrap, claw, scratch, and fight to get back in this game. And somehow they did it. And it provides a lot of hope because... James Brago might be crazy like a fox now. And the fact that he's going to be crazy, there are going to be, there's nothing going to be left off the table. I mean, it's kind of exciting because you never know what you're actually going to see from this team until you actually see it on the floor. We can agree that one of the deciding factors in Steve Clifford's tenure ending here in Charlotte was his adamant Yeah, ideology, sticking to the rotation, yeah. Was his adamant way of not playing Malik Monk, right? Yeah. He did not... He did not play Malik, and Malik Monk logs the second most amount of minutes of any of the Charlotte Hornets last night, second to only Kimba Walker. He tallies 34. He goes 7 of 16. He goes 4 of 8 from from three-point land, and he scores 18 points. Uh, Malik was phenomenal, Nada. I was so excited to finally watch him play, display his athleticism that he showed in college, be able to hit some big-time shots. I love what Malik Monk gave us. And finally, you got to see the guy that we drafted number 11 overall just a couple of years ago and the reason that they drafted him to be that kind of difference maker. That kind of shooting is rare, and you generally have to pay a lot for it. If Malik keeps this going and becomes that C.J. McCollum to Kemba's Damian Lillard, this becomes a whole lot lot more interesting in terms of backcourt combinations. You're going to have a guy like Tony Parker that's going to stay in Malik's ear and I just really, really like this team going forward. And I didn't expect to be saying that after one game right now. Here's Borrego on the way Malik Monk played last night. Well, we're going to trust him with the ball. And one thing we've you know, tried to encourage him to, to be aware of is uh, making the right decision, making the right plays. And I think he did a pretty good job tonight. There were probably a couple shots that we got to clean up and look at. Uh, but the kid is... He's explosive. He's willing to take the shot, take the big shot. Um, And I think he made pretty good decisions tonight. And if he's willing to compete defensively, I can live with that. And the last part of that quote is the number one thing that you think of. The reason that he could not get on the floor under Steve Clifford last year was because he was a liability defensively. And so I want to get something out there real quickly. Like everyone hating on Steve Clifford for not playing Malik Monk. Yeah. I understand it. There was a point last season where I thought Steve Clifford should just play Malik Monk because it was over. You weren't making the playoffs after a certain point. I think people need to keep in mind that Steve Clifford is also trying to win these games. And if Mm -hmm. Steve Clifford thought that not playing Malik Monk gave them the best chance to win these games, then why would he do it otherwise? I don't think he had this personal vendetta that he wasn't Donovan Mitchell and that because he's not Donovan and because I'm pissy, I'm not going to put Malik Monk out there on the court. Now, here's the thing, though. I agreed with Cliff at the time. I still agree with Cliff for doing what he did because you know what? It looks like he's taken those lessons of the defensive end matters. Look at that chase down block he had 
on off ball two blocks block. last night. Yeah, exactly. He had two blocks last night. He was one of the better rim protectors. <laughs> like when you think about how crazy that sounds, that wasn't happening last year. That kind of hustle, that kind of want to on the defensive end was not happening last year. So Clifford might have had a point. Maybe we need to owe, we do owe Steve Clifford an, an apology because without those growing pains, we don't get the Malik that we see last well, night. Well, and at the beginning of the year, I was okay sitting Malik Monk. At the end of the year, I wanted to see him, right? I I, under, I understand Steve Clifford is coaching for a job at that point. Yes. I think both of them were willing to part ways, the management and the head coach. I think they were both wanting to part ways at a certain point. But also, Steve Clifford is trying to win games, and Malik Monk just wasn't up to it defensively. And again... Does Malik Monk do that defensively no. last year? Right, we're we're failing to see the improvement that comes from a rookie to a sophomore in an NBA season. Do you do you watch the NBA All Star Weekends? Do you see why the sophomores always destroy the rookies every single time you watch these guys? The sophomores always win. It doesn't matter if you think a star studded rookie class comes in; the rookies always lose. You see it in college. Coaches generally believe that the biggest jump in college is from a player's rookie campaign, their freshman campaign, to their sophomore campaign. I think you can say that in the same way for a Malik Monk who has improved quite a bit. You saw it in Summer League where he was very good offensively before he got hurt and wasn't able to play. You saw it last night. I'm very excited about Malik Monk. You know I love Malik Monk as much as anybody out there, and I want to see him flourish in this in this yeah, gameplay. Absolutely. absolutely. More importantly, Remember, this is the first offseason that Malik could actually work. Last year, he was still working off of that ankle injury. More importantly, he spent all his time in Charlotte outside of like a week. You can read about it in my feature piece on him at, at Dime. Shameless plug. I'm going to do that anyway. But what I'm going to tell you is that the way he took to being a professional this offseason matters. That might not have been the case last year. I don't know. But for what he's done this year, he's done a lot of growing over the last little bit. Maybe we can thank Bear, his dog, too. <laughs> but for what he did last night, I am absolutely excited, and I can't wait to, wait to see him in that rookie-sophomore game in February. I can't wait to see him, man. I, I This is the guy that I'm paying attention to the most. People beloved Miles Bridges, who we'll get to in, in a little bit later in the show, but I, I have been so excited to see Malik Monk and what his play entails this season. You got a little bit of the taste in his season debut. One other thing before we take a quick break, the other backcourt member, Nada, and that small ball lineup, that eensy-bitsy it's bug. It's so tiny. Bugs. They're so cute. That lineup is Tony Parker. He played in that lineup last night. Not a, how about Tony Parker played a lot down the stretch. He logged 20 minutes watching continue to stay out there on the court. I was very interested to see if he was going to ever be sat down. And here was Borrego on if he was ever concerned over Parker's piling minutes. I, I got to a point. I was a little uncomfortable. I thought he needed one, but uh, the group just wanted to keep going. And, and as a coach, you 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 got to let that you know uh, play out a little bit. Um, they kept fighting. We were getting good shots. Kemba was off the ball a little bit. Tony was handling. Um, I think you know I wanted to get him a, a quick blow, but I just couldn't get it. You know, I don't have enough timeouts. So, um, but I thought I thought Tony was fabulous tonight. Eight points kept them alive in that dead period that they were in in the first half. Seven assists in just 20 minutes of play. I was worried they were going to keep stockpiling the minutes on him, but that lineup worked extremely well before the end of the game when he finally got a breather and then didn't come back in. Nada, how good does it feel to finally have a backup point guard? 
this, so this is what having a backup point guard is actually like. This this is what it's like. It's good stuff, man. Why didn't anybody tell me it was like this? Uh, it's been a while. I can understand the reason that you might have forgotten how good it feels. But Tony Parker, a lot of people even considered this a bad signing. It got pretty bashed nationally. Yeah, exactly. Everyone wanted to bash it. Not. I totally understood. Now, he may not be Jeremy Lin, but he does things in a different way than Lin did. Everybody could see that he was constantly coaching everybody. He was telling Miles where to be. He was telling Billy Hernan Gomez where to be. He was telling Malik Monk, okay, this is where I need you. He was talking to Kemba. He was teaching Kemba along the line. This is the type of guy that this town has needed for a very long time, especially if you have a bunch of young guys on this roster. I'm scared because I hope they're not too reliant on him. Right? I, I'm scared because I don't want to see him play 20 minutes really ever again this season except for in special especially since they t- said 16 especially special situations but yeah. you gotta like what he gave you and it's great here in the early part of october in the very first game of the season once we get to february is tony parker going to be able to give you some legitimate minutes down the stretch hopefully but they're going to have to really really be conservative the one him. thing i would say is i think that's why Devonte graham was in an act inactive I expect to see Devontae Graham make his debut this weekend on that road trip, either Friday or Saturday, and just give Tony a DNPCD. If you want to support our show and the amazing people that put it together, consider joining our Patreon community. For as little as $1 a month, you can help us keep making the Daily Hornets content that you've come to trust. Go to patreon.com slash LOH. There's a link in the description of this episode. You can get entered into our contest for free bobbleheads and tickets and get access to content before anyone else. Patreon.com slash LOH. Every dollar goes to making this the best Hornets talk in all of Charlotte. We'll take a quick break with more Bucks Hornets recap on the other side. Has Borrego written off one player completely. We'll hit that next on the Locked On Hornets podcast. This is Locked On Hornets. And the Google description here says, on contracts made before June, where the wheat is deliverable in December, either wheat of the grades, named or numbered, <laughs> B shares batik of New York, N.B.A. So take that for what you will. That's a lot of information I just threw at you. I apologize. What was the grade? The Yeah, the wheat was graded uh, C-. minus. Let's get them on. It's time for more of the Locked on Hornets podcast. I want to take a look at how the minutes were divvied up last night, just going over the guys who did log minutes. One of those guys was not Frank Kaminsky. Yeah. Frank Kaminsky showing up with a DNPCD. Not that you would sacrifice a win, nada. Mm -hmm. But Frank Kaminsky, not playing last night, would you play him in some instances that called for the reason of maybe increasing his trade value? And I'll I'll ask you this question because I remember talking with Rick Bennell, I think two years ago, Mm -hmm. when Chris Dunn and Ricky Rubio were on the same team in Minnesota. And Ricky Rubio was getting a decent amount of minutes, even though there were a bunch of trade rumors surrounding him. And it was weird because we all thought he was going to get phased out. Chris Dunn was going to come in. And maybe we've learned since then that Chris Dunn just wasn't ready at that point. Yeah. But Ricky Rubio was a guy that had a lot of trade rumors surrounding him. And Rick brought up to me that he was curious if they were playing Ricky Rubio to enhance his trade value. So another team would come in, maybe see the stats be stockpiled, maybe see some of the stats and maybe see some of the play that they did like, and another team would take a chance on him. I, I wonder 
do you just diminish the value of Frank Kaminsky, or was it just so little in the first place that you don't worry about trying to enhance some kind of trade value to get a second round or some asset in return for him? I think his best asset, quite frankly, is the fact that you can non-tender him at the end of the year. I don't think there's that much trade value left for the guy. He's a seven-footer that can hit threes at a sporadic pace. He's not consistent. He's not a good defender. We know all of these things, unfortunately. And now, I mean, the best thing he can do is he's $3 million and he expires at the end of the year. That That's really it at this point. Yeah, and again, not to sacrifice a win, it's just curious to me if there's any way that you could probably that you could possibly fit that in, but maybe not. Maybe he is just so bad defensively. Maybe Rego fits thinks that little of him. And he answered this in the press conference last night. He said he certainly has not been buried in his mind, but he's quote unquote in the mix. I, nobody's buying that. No, no, he's not in the mix. And I'm just I'm interested to see if there was any kind of value out there for. We Frank got Kaminsky. bigger center issues anyway. So some other the other centers that the Charlotte Hornets have on their roster: Cody Zeller. Billy Hernan Gomez not playing too many minutes last night. Cody Zeller logged 21 minutes. Billy Hernan Gomez he just logged 12. So it, Billy, it's it seemed like Billy did a little bit more offensively than what Cody gave you. Cody hit the three and everybody yeah. fainted. It was a regular season, right? We saw this coming in preseason, but Cody finally hit a regular season three. So that was pretty cool to see of him being able to contribute in that regard. But Billy playing just 12 minutes. Billy shot five times in those 12 minutes that he played, hitting three shots, going to the foul line on an A and one opportunity, but missing that free throw, eventually scoring nine points in the 12 minutes that he played. Cody just scoring five in the 21 minutes. Not a, they went to Billy before they went to Cody, even down the stretch when they said, okay, we're done with the whole small ball lineup thing. We're finally going to get some size down there because we want some rebound. We want a rebound. Yeah. Yeah. We want some rebounding. So Billy comes in. It's interesting. I, I wonder did they just go with a small ball lineup because it just so happened to be working to get them more offense and come back in this game? Or do we not see Cody Zeller all that much and Billy Hernan Gomez play all that many minutes, maybe less than we expected coming into this season? The one thing that bothered me, and I know we've talked about it multiple times off air, Cody Zeller kind of got played off the floor last night. That was something I didn't see coming. I'm not sure if you saw it coming. I don't know, but the fact that Cody Zeller was relatively ineffective where Brooke Lopez was doing step-back threes on him. <laughs> Let me repeat that. Brooke Lopez hit a step-back three on Cody Zeller. And See, that that bothers me. I, I didn't think Cody Zeller got necessarily crazy played off the floor. I didn't even think he was all that bad. I think offensively, there weren't a whole lot of opportunity. I mean, the guy shot one time from the field, and he and he drained it. And so defensively, yeah, I, but that's that's where I'm at though. Well, Defensively, it, he well, wasn't he's better good than either. Billy is. I mean, he, that's he, not saying that's a very low bar to clear. But I, I understand that. But that's my question. And then all of this is is Cody Zeller and Billy Hernan Gomez just not going to see a ton of minutes because of some defensive issues? Like I don't even think Cody Zeller has that many defensive issues. Like I just think I I am not as worried about it as you are. I think that they just decided That's true. I think they just decided to go to the small ball lineup. It was working. That's the reason you leave Tony Parker in there for 20 minutes instead of his probably allotted expected 14 15. Yeah. That's why I think you play all of those guys, the small guys with Kimba, Malik, 
Tony. It was just working. And I felt that Borrego, in his first ever game, decided, you know what, screw it. We're just going to go with it. Not that he didn't think about it in the first place. I'm not saying this wasn't at all premeditated. No. But I'm just saying I think it was working for them. They had to come back. They had to chuck it from deep. And Tony Parker was good at facilitating, again, the seven assists in 20 minutes. I think they were just doing such a good job that I just think they decided to leave Cody on the bench for that significant stretch, as they did a lot of other guys. I don't disagree. I also think that that itty-bitty Bugs lineup isn't working Friday or Saturday, considering it's Orlando and then Miami. I think you're going to need those guys. I just wonder who's going to be the more effective of the two going forward. So when you look at other guys that locked some minutes here last night, I, I think another one that I came away with was Jeremy Lamb. And we we talked yeah. about Malik Monk, and I wanted to get to him when we were talking about him. Jeremy Lamb didn't play all that great. No. Well, Jeremy Lamb came out with an aggressive mindset, I think. he On was, offense. Yeah, on offense for sure. He was letting it fly, but it doesn't even mean that he was all that successful on offense. Jeremy Lamb's numbers, 4 of 11, going 2 of 4 from beyond the arc, having 10 points, didn't go... Didn't get any trips to the free throw line. But Jeremy Lamb, 21 minutes for him. I think when Borrego was discussing that starting lineup and their lack of competitiveness, yeah, I Jeremy feel Lamb. like Jeremy yeah. Lamb might have been the number one guy that was yeah. mentioned in that. Just watching it, just speculating off what I saw, I don't think he's talking about more so Cody Zeller. Maybe he's talking about you know a Nick Batum or maybe just the starting lineup as a whole. I felt that Jeremy Lamb was the guy. And what's funny is we've heard Steve Clifford kind of dog Jeremy Lamb in the past, subtly, not so subtly, where he doesn't mention him by name, but he mentions some situations. Competitiveness? That, yes, where it was Jeremy Lamb in that situation. I feel like maybe Jeremy Lamb was the guy Borrego was referencing most, and that's exactly why Malik Monk played 13 more minutes than he did at the two-guard position. This is uh, This is now two straight coaches with the same issue with Jeremy Lamb. And for a guy that is also seeking to make a lot of money next year, the fact that he came out and did this. Now, granted, it's one of 82, and I don't want to completely overreact. And Yeah. But at the same time, you can't be doing this when money's on the line. Or at least that's not what I do. Right. Yeah, it, it was just – it's – Interesting to me that I do think that the door is opened back up for a Malik Monk starting opportunity. Yeah. It, and I think maybe one of the biggest plays is is Malik Monk just cold-blooded drilling that damn shot at the top of the key. With I mean, one minute left? Yep. That is ice cold, man. I, that, ta- that took me back to watching at a bar Malik Monk hit a deep shot on my North Carolina Tar Heels and think that the Tar Heels were dead in the water until Luke May saved their ass. Like, that kind of shot is what makes you believe in Malik Monk. And Jeremy Lamb can hit some shots, but how about, I mean, Malik, man's just so impressive. Like, Jeremy Lamb won that starting job so quickly. It was the first game against Boston and never really, really looked back at losing it. Yeah. And, and even pretty much bookend performances, like Jeremy Lamb, the first preseason game, and I believe the last preseason game, Jeremy Lamb looked really good. Rick Bennell writing an article just a couple of days ago about his first starting opportunity, despite or barring any injury, right? Like we've seen him start, yeah. but it's been because somebody's been hurt. This is because Jeremy Lamb earned a starting job. And now I just wonder, you know, just again, one game, but is there a five game stretch where do we see Malik Monk perform quite well, get a lot of these minutes, and then does he eventually maybe start to raise the eyebrow of Borrego and say, well, maybe I need to get him a little bit more minutes than Jeremy Lamb on a consistent basis? I'm starting to go that route. I I was disappointed in Jeremy Lamb. And the other thing that we got to think about with Jeremy Lamb, 
he's normally a little bit more functional off the bench. So maybe it's just not the role for him. He's maybe he's not a starter in this league. That's okay. There are plenty of guys that do very, very well off the bench. Manu Ginobili comes to mind. And I don't mean to make that kind of comparison at all in terms of play styles and how great each were. But I do think that maybe Jeremy Lamb is one of those creatures of habit. You start taking him out of those out of those habits and start putting more expectations on him. He may not do well. So maybe him not starting wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. I didn't like Jeremy's shot selection last night. I, I thought there were just some bad decisions made from him. His defense bothered me more than the shot selection, honestly. And it's important to not overreact. I like Jeremy Lamb. Jeremy Lamb was a bright spot last season for the Charlotte Hornets in a season that did not see many bright spots. I like Jeremy. I don't think that you overreact and pull him from the starting lineup by any stretch. It would take a few games in a row to make you really consider sitting Jeremy Lamb in favor of Malik Monk and, and having him start. But it is something I think worth noting, just calling out guys who had good games and maybe not so good games. I don't think Jeremy Lamb was atrocious. Just don't think he was very good last night. No, neither do I. And so when you look at the other guys, just real quickly, uh, before we get to the other uh, around the NBA, before we go and discuss the entire association, we got to talk about Nick Batum. Nick Batum, another guy that you could consider, Bobby called him a punching bag. He is a pun- he, he's the punching bag. He is. And I think you can look at this game and it doesn't help him a whole lot. He in that stretch, Nada. I know you're an apologist of Nick Batum. Yes, I understand this. Nick Batum missed a wide open shot and he airballed it. And I'm not even going to hold that particularly against him. He had more turnovers than he did assists last night. Agreed. Seven rebounds, so he did rebound pretty effectively in that small ball lineup where he had to step up and defensively. I think there were times where he did show up, but overall. I don't think you can look at that game as a whole and say, I really like what Nick Batum gave. No, especially not at the first half. No, the first half. No, if we just took the second half and said, okay, if I get that kind of Nick Batum minus that bad three pointer at the end of the game, you'd be happy with it. You'd be okay. You'd be, you'd be okay with it. You'd probably want a little more on the scoring end. Yeah. If, if, if we're just getting rid of the contract, that's why it's so tough to discuss Nick Batum because I think we can all agree. Yes. He's not playing up to the level of a $25 million contract. That is not the conversation here. But just as an effective basketball player where you want to see something from him, yeah, you were still less dis- you were still left dissatisfied from what he gave you as a whole. Yeah, just for again, if we could eliminate the first half, I'd love to and we'd look we'd look at it a lot better than it was. But as far as I'm concerned, I do have to agree with you. I am forced to agree with you on this. <laughs> right. I would imagine so. And I actually liked the way Marvin played last night. I thought he defended well and boxed out on a couple of free throws of, that, that killed me. Yeah, he, he boxed out. I thought on a couple of key rebounds against Giannis, the guy played big and the team defense continues to impress me. I love myself some Marvin Williams, but those three and I think those three certainly will fall yeah. at a higher rate. The free throws, they hurt like hell. No doubt about it. Yeah, that, that the free throws were the thing that killed me the most because that was the difference in the game, believe it or not. All right, we're going to take a quick break. We'll go around the NBA, discuss Cat, Carl Anthony Towns, Jimmy Butler, is he in his head as soon as the first game of the NBA regular season? Stick around on the Locked On Hornets podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. This is Locked On Hornets. We need Mitch Kupchak to throw a party like Sam Presti. Can he party like Presti? And Russell Westbrook. <laughs> yeah, but who are you going to get to perform? Because remember, Nas. they got Nas. Uh, they did get Nas. Man, who is Mitch Kupchak getting to that Nelly. party to perform? Can we get Nelly? No. Can Master we get- P. <laughs> I hate you right now. <laughs> it's time for more of the Locked on Hornets <laughs> podcast. 
Let's do some quick hits around the NBA real quickly. I teased a little bit with Carl Anthony Towns. I'm just glad we're not going to have any cat puns today. Yeah. At least I don't expect so. Yeah, until it shows up on Patreon. (laughs) Well, unless you have some for us. But Doug, again, not here with us again today. Uh, I keep reminding you guys that Doug is going to be gone for quite a while. Probably the beginning of November is when he's going to start being, we would think, consistently a little bit more back in the mix. But uh, turn that music up, baby. (laughs) <laughs> let's, get it, let's get it going uh doug doug not gonna be here so you got nick um you so you have uh, uh carl anthony towns i should say excuse me he's not gonna get the cat puns from doug but let's look at that game minnesota they play the san antonio spurs last night spurs are interesting because we don't know what their style is going to be they don't have a point guard new star demar Derozan. couple of big injuries in the backcourt Dejounte murray he's going to be gone for the rest of the season Derek White's going to be back in about a month or so. But he's gone right now, and that was the guy you immediately put in place of DeJounte Murray. So looking at this stat line for the Minnesota Timberwolves and the San Antonio Spurs, how about Jimmy Butler coming through big once again, 23 points on 32 minutes. But then you look at Carl Anthony Towns. 22 minutes last night, he goes two of six. Six field goal attempts, or field goal attempts. He did get nine rebounds, but the guy fouls out in 22 minutes and scores eight points. I, I mean, do you does this all have to do with Jimmy Butler's influence? Yes. You think Carl Anthony Towns just going out there hacking everybody and there's something inside his head? Like, what's going on with the Minnesota Timberwolves? Carl Anthony Towns is 20 years old. That's my own. Like, he's basically Jimmy Butler's in his head. And more importantly, Jimmy Butler's kind of right. Like, <laughs> Carl Anthony Towns is basically everything that Jimmy Butler said to Rachel Nichols a couple of weeks ago. And that's the worst part about this. You've confirmed everything. Mind you, Andrew Wiggins didn't do too much better with all those really bad mid-range Jays. Yeah, the mid-range Jays. By the way, the Charlotte Hornets took a lot of mid-range Jays last night. I know that drove you crazy. It drove me crazy the first half, especially. That didn't seem like the shot selection was all that good. So Minnesota, and that's the thing. We all knew Jimmy Butler was kind of right in all of this, right? Like we all knew it, but it kind of played out. You didn't need to confirm it game one. That was the problem. At least in the first game of the regular season. Looking elsewhere, just some quick hits. Some rookies performing well last night. DeAndre Ayton is a beast. 18. 10 and 6. My God, that guy's going to be awesome. Mo Bamba. A reason number one overall. Love me some Mo Bamba coming into the draft. He had a good game last night. Luka Doncic. He had a sweet behind the back pass to DeAndre DeAndre Jordan. That's going to be fun to watch that hookup there. So a couple of rookies. Alonzo Trier for the New York Knicks out of Undrafted guy. I I will admit I was really wrong on him because I didn't think. I thought with those two PED suspensions that he caught in college of all places was kind of an outlier where I you just can't rely on them. Kid can ball, and I was wrong about that one. Yeah, the Houston Rockets, they dropped the New Orleans Pelicans. That front court is versatile for the Pelicans, and they have Julius Randle now on top of Nicholas Miritich or Nikola Miritich, and they also have, of course, Anthony Davis. They destroy the Houston Rockets. So New Orleans, they might be trying to prove something this season. The one thing about the Houston Rockets, they try and do seven seconds or less, but with that kind of defensive scheme that New Orleans runs, ISO ball is not going to happen. Go ask Portland. 
Indiana destroyed Memphis, one eleven to eighty three. I wonder how many games Memphis is going to win this season. I didn't think Memphis. I thought Memphis was going to be a lot better than they were, and then to get ramshackled to the point of being up forty one eighteen again, being down forty one eighteen. Come on now, a bad performance from the Grizz, and just one other storyline heading into last night. Toronto they beat Cleveland one sixteen to one oh four. Kawhi Leonard looks good. He had a dunk last night that kind of made you forget about his injury. Maybe if you want to put it in quotes, injury, but. I'll believe Kawhi Leonard. No, I'll believe it. I'm I'm not in the habit of not believing players. More importantly, at this point, I may be wrong about Toronto. I thought they were going to take a little bit longer. Yeah, Toronto looks good against Cleveland, and it's one game. Not. I feel like you're ready to jump off of a bunch of trips that you were already on, a bunch of ships, I should say, that you're already on. Like I feel like you just need to hold tight for at least a week. I, I'm gonna try. <laughs> I'm gonna try, Walker. I can't hold. I don't hold. Don't hold me to that. Yeah, though. don't go flippity flip on me, Nada. Not at least yet. Maybe in a flippity couple. Flip. Maybe in a couple of games. Then maybe you can go flippity flip on me. All right, that will do it for the Locked On Hornets podcast. Thanks for listening here on the Locked On Podcast Network. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Hornets. You can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Overcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Hornets. We'll preview the Orlando Magic game tomorrow where the Hornets become reunited with Steve Clifford. All that more on a Friday. See you guys. <laughs>